welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, this past summer, I was uh, talking with John Bevere, and we were just hanging out, and he made a statement to me as, you know, we're just talking, and, and he said, you know, it's so sad that of all the things that God created, only man can limit him. Only man can limit God. And I just, I said, John, what do you, explain it. Like, uh, we just got done golfing or something. I said, like, that's pretty deep right now. What do you, and he said, well, here's the deal. He goes, like, look around the trees. The trees, they do exactly what they were created for. They grow and they, were do, they do exactly. He's like, uh, birds were created to fly and they fly. Fish are created to be in the water and they just survive in the water. Fish never doubt, like, I wonder if God's gonna take care of me in the water. And they never limit God. He said, they just do what they're created for. He said, lions roar and hunt at night. And he said, beavers build their dams and they do exactly what they're called to do. And he said, and yet man doesn't do what we're called to do, doesn't do what we're created to do. We limit God. And he said, it's just so frustrating to think of all of his creation, we're the only thing that can do that. And when he said that, I was like, I am so preaching that sermon. All right, I'm doing that. And that's today, all right. So today's the day to do that and to talk about the fact that we limit God. We limit God and it's so sad that we limit him. And just to put it in perspective, so you understand, when I say we limit God, God is all powerful. Okay, God is all powerful. He is limitless, all right? But he wants to do things through us and he wants us to do the works that we were created for. He wants us to glorify him the way that we were created to glorify him. And then we, because of our free will, can opt out. We can opt out, we can limit. We can say, I don't think it's gonna work. I don't think that, I'm not gonna do that. We can actually disobey, it's so sad. And of all the things that were created, all these other things have all these obedience, obedience, obe they do exactly what they were created for. And yet we, because of our free will, I mean, we have superior intellect, we are emotionally superior, we have, we're spiritual, we have all these things and yet we limit God. And even worse than that, some of us defy God. We just defy him. Like he's like knocking and we're like, no, no. And he's telling us, this is what I want you to do, no. And you're not just limiting him because of our unbelief. We defy him and do like in complete disobedience. I mean, it's so sad. I mean, all these other animals and things that are created never do that, but man does it. And, and what's amazing in this too though is because we have this free will and because we can limit, because we can defy, God also says, you know what I can do? I can transform you. I can change you. I can save you. Like, like there's not a lion that was like, yeah, I was totally backslid, totally became vegetarian, you know, <laughs> stopped roaring. I was just like, bond, you know, like a sheep. I was like, you know, but he changed my life. He got me back and I'm roaring. You know, lions don't backslide. How many, you know, they don't do that. They just do what they're created to. So they never know what it's like to have been out of alignment and then come back in and be transformed. And I thank God for all the people that have been transformed. You weren't living up to what God had called you to do. You were defying him. And he's like, I transformed you. I changed you. But I wanna to speak to those of us that are really following God. Many of us in this place are following God. We're so grateful for anybody that's visiting that doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I want you to know at the end of every service, we give an opportunity for people to say yes. We just determine we wanna 
give everybody an opportunity. So maybe you're here and you're like, I don't know, there'll be an opportunity at the end of the service to say yes. But there's many here that have already done that. We, we don't live up to what God has created us to do. We don't align with it. And, and, and we just do what we think we're supposed to do and, and we just do our own will and we, we, we disobey and we don't go in alignment with them. And the Bible is full of people that limited God. Like, he's like, I've saved you. You're supposed to, all right, you're on the journey with me. And, and, and then they limit him. And so I wanna look at some of those people today and then I'm gonna look at our own lives and then hopefully get us to a point where we say, God, we don't wanna limit you. We don't wanna be out of alignment. We wanna do exactly what we were created for. Help our unbelief. Help us to not limit you. Help us to do exactly what we were created for. So the, the first thing, like as I was looking through the Bible, there's so many examples, and I'm grateful for this because it, it makes us understand that it's something that's real, that we're not alone, we're not the biggest loser because we, we don't do these things, but we also see the way back and we can see the cause and effect in all this. But if, as you look at the Bible, you'll see the Israelites. The Israelites were in Egypt and God gets them out of Egypt because they're slaves in Egypt. God gets them out of, of this slavery and takes them out. And he's like, I've got you and I'm bringing you into this promised land. It's for you. You're gonna be my people. And, and he does all these amazing miracles. We see him in Exodus and Numbers and, and God parts the Red Sea. He, he crushes Pharaoh's army. He is a, a, a pillar of fire at night, so keeping them warm. He's a cloud during the day, giving them shade. I mean, they're just, this is incredible what's going on. And as they're doing this, um, they limit him. And not only that, their leader limits them. And if you know the story, Moses is their leader and he's leading them around and, and, and they're complaining to him and they're saying like, we don't have any meat. We've got this bread that God made appear out of nowhere, which is awesome, but we want meat and we want meat. And, and the people are complaining. And the Bible tells us that Moses is like, had it up to here with these people. And he just goes to God and he's like, these people want meat. And, and they're just driving me crazy. I wish you would just kill me. Think about that. He's having a meltdown. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and, and God's like, I've got it. I've got it. I'm going to give meat. I'm going to take care of these people. I'm going to give them so much meat. Meat is going to be coming out of their nostrils. Like he's like, I'm going to overwhelm. And, and then Moses, he's melting down. Like you'd think like he saw the Red Sea. He saw the Egyptians. He sees the fire. God spoke to him in a burning bush. And in this moment, he is melting down over where is God going to find meat to feed these people? And he says this in Numbers 11, verse 21. He says, but Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot. And you say, I'll give them meat to eat for a whole month. Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? Then the Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I will say will come true for you. And God gives them so much meat that it's coming out of their nostrils. How many know that's the first recorded instance of meat sweats right there, meat sweats. God's like, I'm giving you all meat sweats. You don't know what that is. If you go to like Fogo de Chao and you eat so much meat and you go home that night and you're in bed, you're like, too much meat. You're just sweating it. And that's what it was. Like, he's like, I'm giving them meat sweats. It's gonna come out of their nostrils. And there's a great verse. 
nothing, nothing. Like, my arm is not too short. Like, you gotta see, I, I have the power and I can do this. Stop limiting me. Stop limiting me. And I just wanna tell us, let's stop limiting what God can do in us and through us. Let's stop limiting what he can do. Let's believe God and believe his word. Same people, the Israelites, you know, he had Moses there. The Israelites, he, again, same miracles. They're seeing all this stuff. They have manna up here. They have food. They have meat sweats, all this going on. Then God says, I want you to go into the land and I want you to defeat the giants. Like, we can't do it. We can't do it. There's no way we can do it. We can't do it. And God's like, are you, are, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? And, and because they limit, they say, we can't do it. We can't do it. God's like, okay, you can't go in, but nothing's gonna stop my plan. I'm just gonna bring your kids in and your grandkids. You, you lose out, but, but I'm not losing. Like, I'm all powerful God, and I'm still gonna get my people in there, just not you, just not you. And many times when we limit God, we miss out on the blessings. God's like, I'm still doing my plan. I'm still doing my plan. I'm looking for somebody else to bless in that way. I'm looking for somebody else to move over there. Oh, guess what? Somebody else will lead that group and, and he's moving. His plan still goes forward, but we're like limiting him and don't limit God because these people missed out and their kids got in and they missed out. The Bible is just full. I have so many examples, I can't even get to all of them. I mean, Abraham and Sarah, Genesis 18, God says, you are gonna have a baby. And Abraham's like, I'm really old. God, let's look at a different plan here. I'm pretty old, I don't think that's gonna work, but you know, I've got Hagar and Ishmael, that's good enough for me. God's like, no, you're gonna have a baby. And then the Bible tells us that Sarah, his wife, is older, and she's, the Bible says this, that she laughs. In Genesis 18, verse 12, so Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to him, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Like there's another great verse. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Like you might be laughing at what God's asking you to do. You might be laughing at what he's told you to, to step out and do. And I think about the video that we just saw. Like they're, they're thinking like, are you kidding me? God wants us to do that number. Are you kidding me? I, 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 I can't. And they're laughing inside and they're almost overjoyed, like in that overwhelming, like I can't believe God's gonna allow us to do this. Don't limit God. God has the ability to do exactly what he's told you he's going to do. There's more, Zechariah in the temple. I mean, I, and, and I, as you look at these, it's just so amazing. Zechariah is a priest. He's serving God in the temple. I mean, this, he's gonna become the father of John the Baptist, but he doesn't know it. Him and his wife can't have a child. And an angel appears to him, like an angel appears to him. A big angel appears to him. It says, God says you're gonna have a, a child. Like, and, and he's like, I, I don't know how that's gonna happen. Like, an angel appeared to him, like, big angel, you know? And I love, like, I, and this is one, like, in my mind of things I wanna see exactly how it came down. Like, when I get to heaven, I hope I can see this one come down. I just wanna see Gabriel bow up. I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. You know, like, and it's gonna happen. Like, I just, I just get this. I'll be back. I mean, he's gonna, like, that's, like, and little do we know, then, you know, all of a sudden, a year later, there, John the Baptist. Here comes John the Baptist. You can't limit God. 
We, we do it all the time. Oh, and, and, and especially after spectacular things happen in our life, we limit God. I mean, God's, God does one thing amazing and that relative you thought would never say yes to Jesus says yes to Jesus. And you're like, praise God, your promises are true. A couple weeks later, you're at work and you have to stand up in your integrity and you're like, God can't get me through this. There's no way he can get me through this. I've got to lie to get the deal. I've got to lie. There's no way God can take care of it and I've got to lie. And you believed him over there and then you limit him over here and you lose out on the blessings that he has for you. Don't limit God. There's more. Bible is full of people that, I, I love these examples. A very familiar story because I used it as a, a, a message and I talked, I believe it was last year, almost about now, and I talked about the lepers that, you know, went and found the army that had deserted everything and left all the food there and the lepers were eating all the food and, and, and taking all the clothes and hiding all the gold and then they realized, we gotta help everybody, they're, they're starving. See, because the city was under siege and, and they were starving to death and the people were wondering, like, how in the world are we gonna ever survive? Like, this is terrible. They, they had reverted to, like, cannibalism and doing that. It was just terrible what was going on. And, and then the prophet of the Lord, Elisha, stands up and he says this in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. About this time tomorrow, a sea of, of finest flour will sell for a shekel and two seas will, of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. And it says, the officer on whom the arm of the king was leaning, so like a right-hand man was standing next to the king, says, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? And Elisha says, you will see it with your own eyes, answered Elijah, but you will not eat any of it. And we have that story that, you know, like here's Elisha saying, God's gonna do this, God's gonna do it. And immediately a right-hand man to the king's like, not a chance. Even if God opened up heaven, it couldn't do it. By the way, don't listen to those people on your right hand and your left hand, you know what I'm saying? If God's given you a promise, you just hold true to it. There's all those people, not you, not you. God can't use you, not you, anybody but you. And so this guy, you can't happen, can't happen, not a chance, not a chance. And Elijah says, it's gonna happen and you won't taste, you'll see it and you won't eat any of it. And you're all kind of like, what in the world happened? And sure enough, the lepers find the food, they come back, they tell everybody, and the, the guy sees it, all this food coming into the city. And as he's standing there, the Bible tells us that everybody running for the food, all the horses and people running for the food, trampled the guy to death. So he saw it and never ate any of it. He missed out. I just don't wanna be like that guy. You know, I just wanna be like that guy. I just, I wanna be, I wanna be like, I, God, if you said it, I believe it. If you say it, I believe it. If you, if you promised it, I'm gonna stand on it. If you're asking me to step out in faith, I wanna do it. I believe it. I believe it. Jesus in his own hometown was limited. In Mark chapter 6, I'll just read it. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's the wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, among his relatives and his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. 
I mean, that, that whole verse, those whole verses there, full of limits. Like, who is he? What is, like, how is this happening? I went to school with his sister. There's no way. I know who he, I, I, this guy, there's not a chance. Not a chance. And they couldn't receive from God what God wanted to give them because they had limited him. They had, and we do it too. Like, this is not in my notes, but how many know, like, like, if you know somebody and they're a doctor and you're familiar with them and you know them, you're kind of like, I know him, he's my neighbor, he doesn't mow his lawn that well, he's a doctor, I don't know. I saw him grow up, I chased him out of my yard, I don't know. Give me another doctor that I don't know. We do it. We limit people all the time. We limit people, we limit ourselves, and we limit God. And they were doing the same thing. Ah, oh, he's hometown, I don't think, I don't know, I don't know. And they missed out. And they, and just a few people got in because they're like, I know who you are. I know who you are. I don't have any limit. I know you're God. I know you're unlimited and I'm getting in on unlimited. Disciples. All right, we're getting, we're, there's so many. I just, I'll end with this one and then I'll go to other ones in our own life. The disciples in Mark chapter six. You feed these people. There's multitudes there. They're all there. They're all hungry. He's like, you feed them. You would think, that after the disciples had seen Jesus do all the miracles that he was doing, that they would never ask, they would never say like, don't think you can do it. You just think they would never do it. You just think they'd be like, what are you gonna do today? What's happening today? How are we gonna do this? What creative way are you gonna show us a new miracle? That's what they should have said, but they, this unbelief, this limiting of God sneaks in on all of us. So we have to fight against unbelief. We have to fight against limiting God and our unbelief is sin. When we don't believe God, it's actually sin. And some of us need to repent. Like God's been calling you to step out in faith. God's been calling you to trust him and you're, you're not stepping out. You're living in unbelief. You're limiting God and you're actually sinning. And you need to repent of that unbelief. God, I, I repent of this. I, I, have, I want to trust you at your word. I have to do this. You, you are unlimited. And now I'll use me, because I mean, the very first time we had a really big goal for our miracle offering and for Kingdom Builders, it was the first year we had $5 million as the goal. And I remember at the week before the miracle offering, like we're at 1.8 million and the goal is 5 million. And I get to the Friday night, you know, and we're getting ready for Saturday service and it's Friday night, I can't sleep, I'm like, 1.85 million, 3.2 lakh. Where is that coming from? God's never, like we've been in the twos, but we're trying for the fives and what in the world? And, I, and, I, and, I'm, and so then I had a spreadsheet out and I had all like listed all the families in the church. And I was like, okay, we got this many families. If everybody gives this much and I'm trying to do in the math and I'm like, $3,947, you know, times every family. And as I'm trying to do the math, I'm like, how many know it wasn't meat sweats, but it was sweats, you know? And I was, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm trying to make the math work. And I'm like, okay, anybody that drives a luxury car will double their amount. We'll just try to figure this out. You know, I literally, I literally was. And I, I was, and I was, and God's like, trust me. Trust me, trust me, trust me. And I'm just like, ah, and I'm doing the math. And that's the night that the Lord spoke to me and he said, don't do the math, do your part. 
Your part is to trust me. Your part is to trust me. And some of you are doing the math, like, and you, you're like, there's no way if I go to HR and ask them to do a Bible study, there's no possible way that they're gonna let me do it. And I know God told me to start a Bible study, but there's no possible way because they'll never do it. And you just do the math. And you say, well, you know, there's no way, I mean, there's no way my neighbor's gonna come to church. If I invite them to church, there's no way you're gonna, and you, and, you, and you start doing the math, so to speak, and you start limiting God and you start saying it's not gonna happen, and then unbelief sneaks in and starts killing any faith that will be there. Even for me, now this is unique to pastors when they're giving the response time. And again, at the end of this service, we'll give people a response opportunity to say yes to Jesus. But when the church was way smaller and way smaller, you know, and I used to be like, all right, I wanna see if anybody wants to give their life to Jesus, the enemy would just scream at me, nobody's raising their hand. Nobody, not a one, nobody's raising their hand. And so I'm like, I'm getting ready and I'm gonna do it. And the enemy's saying, nobody's raising their hand. Nobody's raising their hand. And so I would go and I'd, if anybody wants to give their life to Jesus Christ, if you could raise your hand today and say yes to Jesus. And, and as I would do that, this was years and years and years ago, Maggie Cedarberg, who goes to our Egan campus now, used to sit right in the front row there and all of a sudden, I'm just looking for a hand. It's like an auction. You scratch, I'm saying, you know, like, I, and, and I would look, and Maggie would be like, hand up, and I'd, I'd just be looking for a hand, and I'd go, I see that hand, and I'd be like, it's Maggie again. <laughs> but I already said I saw that hand, you know? And then other people would raise their hands, and praise God, you know? After about half a year, six months, of Maggie raising her hand and, you know, every, I'm like, if there's somebody, and like, I see that hand, Maggie again, oh yeah. <laughs> I said to her, I said, I saw her in the live, I said, Maggie, like, you know you're saved, right? Like, you got this. <laughs> like, he's forgiven you, right? You, you know that. She goes, I do. And I said, but you keep raising your hand. She goes, it looks like it encourages you. Thank you, Maggie. Woo. Ah. I'll let you know, we we believe people will raise their hand and say yes to Jesus. And we're not going to call on you if you do this, you know. We want you to raise your hand like that. But I thank God for Maggie and, and the saving faith that came to her life. She knew it. And she was helping a young preacher that was terrified, trying to trust God and not limit him. Because the enemy just says, nobody's gonna get saved today, nobody. And I'm like, I'm not gonna let God, I'm not gonna let God's power be limited by a lie from the enemy. I'm gonna trust God that people are gonna call upon his name and be saved. Some of you know that when you, you tithe and you hear that in that video and you step out in faith and you, I'm gonna tithe, I'm gonna tithe. And, and the enemy's like, you can't do it, you can't do it. And God's like, trust me. I'll throw open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you can't contain. Some of you, when you went on a global team and you thought, I'll never go, I'll never go. God can never provide. I'll never go to the nations. I'll never go on a global team. And then you step out in faith and do it. And then God provides because you're obedient. And all of a sudden money's in your account and somebody pays and there's a scholarship for this and that. And you see God's hand at work. Some of you just say like, I don't know if God could ever use me. And then you find a place to be used and you realize that you are God's workmanship created for good deeds. 
Like you were created for good deeds and he's got a plan for you. He's gonna use you and you don't have to limit him and say, not me, he's gonna use you. And even like I've talked about already twice now, but I'll say it again, for some with salvation, we limit God, not me, not me. He could save everybody but me. He could save everybody but me. You're, you're limiting, you're living in unbelief. You're living really defying God and God wants you to repent of that because he said, I can save you. And I love that the Apostle Paul had this verse in here in 1 Timothy 1.5. He's saying this, he was a murderer. And he says this, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. And Paul put that in there so that anybody here that would say, I don't think so, I don't think so, I, I don't think God's grace can reach me. He's like, it can reach you. It can reach you, it can reach the worst. It reached the worst, it can reach you. There's no limits. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Man, your troubles are not more than God can handle. Your sins are not more than he can forgive. Your need is not bigger than his resources. We need to trust God and take him at his word. And as we hear the word of God, faith builds up in us because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so let me just read some of these scriptures and then tell you what the enemy does when you hear scriptures like this, we're gonna fight them. Isaiah 59 once is this, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. He hears what you're praying, he hears what you're saying, and his arm is full of power to deliver you from exactly what you're in. Psalm 89, 13, your arm is endowed with power, your hand is strong, your right hand is exalted. Luke 1, for no word from God will ever fail. Mark 12, 24, Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. We need to know the scriptures to know the power of God. And when we know the scriptures, we know the power of God. And some of you need to keep going back to the word of God and seeing the promises of God and the things he says over you and the things that are for your life and stop limiting what he's doing in and through you. And as soon as, this is, I just wanna close with this thought. As soon as you, get fired up with this right here. And you're like, I'm not gonna limit God. I'm not gonna limit God. I'm not gonna limit God. I'm gonna go for it. I, those scriptures, I'm gonna memorize those scriptures. I'm gonna watch the sermon again and write them down. I'm gonna watch, and you start doing that. And no sooner do you do that, the enemy tries to snatch away that faith. And he says, not for you, not for you. You didn't hear him right. It was lost in translation, not for you. Not, and, he, and he tries to kill what's growing in your life. And, and you can't let the enemy kill what's growing in your life. You, you've gotta stand true to what God's word says, and I'm not gonna limit God, I'm not gonna limit him. I've seen too many stories in the Bible that are there. I've seen too many people around here with changed lives. I've seen too many miracles with kingdom builders. I've seen too many, th I'm not gonna let the enemy destroy what God is planting in my life. Unbelief is like grass and weed killer. How many know what I'm talking about? It just kills everything. One time I, I got the labels mixed up on the grass and weed killer and I took like all killer in the yard. And when I sprayed every dandelion, I sprayed around the fire hydrant, sprayed the edging, sprayed the mulch. I walked in it, I had footprints everywhere. Killed everything and when I, that's what unbelief does to you. Unbelief kills everything we're gonna clearly label it what it is. It's unbelief and we're not spraying it on our lives at all. 
we will be filled with faith. We'll trust what God has told us to trust him in. We're not gonna limit him. We're gonna do what we're created for. We're gonna give what we, he's told us to give. We're gonna go where he's called us to go. We're gonna speak what he's told us to say. We're gonna stand up for what he told us to stand up for. And we're gonna sing the song that's in our heart. We're not gonna limit God. We're not gonna limit God. Elizabeth Elliott, I close with this statement. Elizabeth Elliott said this about clams. She said, clams glorify God better than we do because the clam is being everything it was created to be. And I thought, I am not gonna let a clam out glorify me. That little clam, all it's gotta do is filter water, but it's glorifying God because it's doing exactly what it was created to do. And I am not gonna let a clam out glorify me in glorifying God. I'm gonna trust him, I'm not gonna limit him. I'm gonna do what I was created to. I'm gonna step out in faith and do every single thing he's called me to do. So Lord, I just pray right now for those of us here that we would live in faith, in trust, in you, that you are a limitless God, you are unlimited. And God, we desire to lean in to all that you have for us. And so God, I pray that you would help us right now to trust you and to lean in we will not limit you. Lord, we repent of our unbelief. We repent of that. We repent of our limiting and our doubting. And I just pray, God, that we would uh, trust you 100%. We will not limit you. We will not limit you. So God, help us to do what we were created to do. Help us to live the way we were created to do and help us to lead in to all that you have for us. We will not limit you We'll live for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.